Once again, I'll say, how's everyone doing? Good, good. Well, it's good to see you, and uh, it's good to, of course, always be at Freedom Baptist Church. I love this place. I love you. love each and every one of you. And love also, I'll speak to the audience out there, to just to say that we love and care for you as well. And uh, we're praying for you, and we wish you were here with us. Uh, but we understand if you cannot be, and so we hope that you enjoy this service. So we've been talking about who's your one, haven't we, for the past two or three weeks. Who's your one? And by that, I mean, who is the one person that you are thinking about, praying about, helping them this year maybe to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And so we're going to continue on that today and probably for a couple more weeks if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 1, verses 45 to 49. And then also you might have a finger in uh, John chapter 4. We'll be turning there a little bit later. But the importance of one is what we're talking about today. Each and every person is important to God and to us. Amen? Each and every person is important. And so we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking a little bit about how the people we are trying to reach are important, and they are, right? Jesus spoke about the one out of the flock of 99 who left and what extent he went to to bring that one back into the flock. And so the people whom we are trying to reach are very important. But really what we want to focus on today is that you are important. You who are here, you Christians, you who are seeking to find out who is this one person whom I will bring to Christ, who will that be? It's you that we are talking about, how important you are. And we could give many, many examples of that, but one example that I thought of was the example of C.H. Spurgeon. Has anyone heard of C.H. Spurgeon? Okay, a few of you have. He was a pastor, preacher in the 1800s, so it's probably not unusual that you have not heard of him, but he has had a tremendous impact on Christianity. He was called the Prince of Preachers during that day. And I know it may seem like a small crowd today, but his church on an average Sunday had up to eight to 10,000 people in the church. And if you imagine that without any kind of microphone system, it was just amazing what he was able to do. He preached to a congregation of about 8,000. He wrote sermons and commentaries and has a great influence on Christianity even today. So many times people, when they have questions about certain things in the Bible, they'll, they'll say, well, let's go back and see what Charles Spurgeon had to say about it. And so he is such an important person, but it was one person in particular who had an influence on his life as, as to why he came to know Christ. He was a young man. Charles Spurgeon was a young man, and he was traveling somewhere on Sunday, and it was very snowy, much more snowy than what it was here today, and it kind of forced him to go into a Methodist church where there was a layperson who was bringing the message. The regular pastor was gone for that day. Maybe he was caught up and couldn't make it because of the snow. But there was a lay pastor who was preaching. And Spurgeon listened to that message and he listened intently. And he felt like for the first time, God is speaking to me. And this, this lay preacher could see and look down in the crowd and see that uh, Charles Spurgeon was actually wrestling with what he was saying. 
And he told Charles Spurgeon, he said, you are never going to have any kind of happiness unless you deal with your relationship with God and receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. And he said to Charles, he said, look, look to Christ. And Charles began to think about that. And before he left church that day, he was a born-again Christian and went on to become this prince of preacher who had such an impact. And so you are important as well. We never know who is influenced by our life, whether if they come to know Christ, what they might go on to do and who they might go on to influence. And so the point of today's sermon is that you are important. And it's important that you pick one this year to, to kind of focus upon. Our scripture today is from John chapter 1, verses 43 to 49. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word as we read through this and uh, see what the scripture is going to say to us today. This is Jesus calling Philip and Nathanael to faith. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at this scripture, and not only look at this scripture, but to look at how we can be more intentional about sharing our faith with other people. And so I know that's hard for us to do. It's difficult, and we've got all kinds of excuses of why we should not share our faith, and we'll talk about some of those. But we pray that these words would just become a part of us, that we would understand them and comprehend them and then be obedient to them, be obedient to the example of Philip. And so we ask for this and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I just have a few thoughts about what we've just read. First of all, each person is important. And I think that's, uh, you know, given to us by example when Jesus calls these people to himself to be his disciples. He's got a concern for individuals. He's got a concern for the nations as well. But the nations really is made up of individuals. And so Jesus wants to reach as many people as what he can with his message of good news, his message of forgiveness for us, his message of being able to be reconciled with God. He wants that to spread to all the nations. And so we don't know what his thought patterns were, but we do know what his eventual method is, and that is for us to make disciples. And he, he said this in our very first sermon that we talked about on who's your one, we notice that Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that is the method that Jesus has said he is going to use in this world is one person sharing Christ with another person, teaching that 
person how to share Christ with other people. And so his kingdom work and his church would continue to grow. And so that's what we see here. We see Jesus who's calling Philip and we see Philip take this very seriously in his first thought of, I have to tell Nathaniel. That should be our response, right? That should be, when, when I say to pick one person, the first thing we should think about is, who can I tell about Jesus? And maybe a name has already popped your mind. Maybe you already have started praying for that person. I hope that you have. But Philip, he was just dead set on telling Nathaniel that uh, he needed to come and see Jesus because Jesus was the promised Messiah. And of course, we know the rest of the story. It's not a very short, short, uh, not a very long story here. Nathaniel does come to see Jesus and confesses that he is the son of God, that he is the king of Israel. So real, sh real shortly, that's how this discipleship process works. It's so simple, right? It's so simple. It's not, it's not a church full of programs, although we have programs, we have Sunday school programs, but it's not about the programs, right? It's about individual people sharing the love of Christ with another person. And yet we see that this is something that seems to be very difficult for us to do. But it's important that each person realize that they are important and they can make a difference in the world by sharing Christ with one person at a time. But there's some things that we need to do. If we really believe that each person is important, if we really believe that our family members are important, then we must be committed to an intentional witness. We must be committed to being an intentional witness. We must have an intentionality about being a witness. It's not something that happens necessarily spur of the moment, but it's something that we're intentional about. If each person is important, we will commit to being an intentional witness. You know, I have the opportunity, as most of you do, of course, to look at YouTube and watch videos on there. Uh, you guys are all familiar with Ray Comfort, I'm sure, of Living Waters, and we've had uh, training sessions by him on how to do evangelism and different things. But I'm always amazed at watching uh, him do on-street uh, witnessing. And he, he does such a good job at it. <laughs> I mean, he's been at it for a long time. And you might ask, well, how can he be so good at this? How can he be good, so good at sharing his faith? And it's because he does it a lot, right? And we will get better as we do it a lot. And so each person is important and we must be focused on sharing the gospel with them. And, and let me just tell you right up front is that to be a witness for Christ, you do not have to have the gift of evangelism. And I think so many times we use that as an excuse. There is a gift of an evangelism and people who have that are ones that we look forward to to see how we are to do evangelism. But we know that we don't have to have the gift of, the, of evangelism. The gifts had not even been given, right, when Philip and, and Nathaniel are having this conversation. And so Philip was able to be a witness. But don't let that hold you back if you don't have the gift of evangelism. We are all to be like Jesus. And so you can share the gospel even if you don't have that gift of evangelism. Now, it's helpful to have training, right? It's helpful to have some training in, in evangelism. 
and we provide that training here. If there's anyone who needs that training, we'll be glad to have that. But also to be intentional about our witness, I think we need some accountability with each other, right? We need some accountability. And I know that, I know from speaking on Wednesday night that many of you are thinking about one person and who is your one that you're gonna focus on this year. Uh, but share that with someone. Have someone pray with you for that person that they would come to know Christ. And so we need to have accountability partners as we commit to be an intentional witness. And then of course, we can't be intentional without going and telling, right? We are to go and tell others about Christ. And it seems as though sometimes we're kind of stuck in the Old Testament type of doing things. In the Old Testament, it was a little bit different. It was a come and see religion. And, I, and what I mean by that is God in his wisdom plopped his temple and his people right down in the middle of the main trade route between the Chaldeans or the Babylonians and the Egyptians. So I know, I know maybe you're not as familiar with that part of the area as what we used to be. We used to talk about, when I was growing up in geography, we used to talk about the Fertile Crescent. And that's that area from the Tigris-Euphrates River all the way over to Israel. And it was always green in that area. And it's green because the center part is the Saudi Arabian Desert. No one goes through the Saudi Arabian Desert to get to Egypt if you're leaving from Babylon. You go through the Fertile Crescent. You go up north, and then you come down south through Israel, and then you can go into Egypt. But before you go into Egypt, you must pass Jerusalem and you must pass the temple and so that's how God reached people in the Old Testament is through this trade route and people would say come and see the temple come and see this glorious temple and be in the presence of the Lord and that's how the gospel the good news of Christ was spread even then even before Christ came there was a promise of a Messiah and people could go to the temple and experience the presence of God but our Method is different. The Holy Spirit is no longer in a temple except in the temple of our bodies, right? He's in the temple. We, we, we have even closer personal relationship with Christ now because the, the Spirit is indwelling those of us who are believers. And so we are little temples that can go everywhere and show people the forgiveness that has come through Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's as though Jesus is saying, you now have my permission to go on offense. <laughs> you know, we've kind of been passive. You can now go on office, offense. Go and tell everyone. He says in, Matthew, or in Mark 16, go and preach the gospel to all creation. And that's exactly what we are supposed to do. And the gospel message is very simple and clear. Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby and grew up amongst us for one purpose. And that purpose, that main purpose, was to die on a cross for our sins so that those who believe and trust in him can be forgiven and have eternal life. And we know we can do that because Jesus on the third day after being buried rose from the dead. That's, that's the basic simple gospel. Jesus Christ died in our place 
took our sins upon himself so that through believing and trusting in him and what he's done on the cross, we can have forgiveness from God and everlasting life. And this is exactly what we're supposed to be going and telling people to do. So I got three different examples here of things that you might be able to do as a family or as an individual. You may have to tailor them a little bit because of the COVID situation. But first of all, each disciple or each Christ follower in this church invite one unchurched person to breakfast, lunch, or dinner this year. Share your testimony and tell the gospel story. Okay? Got a whole year to do it. Whole year to do it. Ask someone to dinner, to lunch, or to breakfast and share your personal testimony with them or and the gospel story. So what is your personal testimony? Well, if you're Christian, you have a testimony of how you came to know Christ. And uh, the best example might be that of Paul in the book of Acts. He shares it, I think, three times. But he tells people what his life was like before he came to know Christ. He tells how he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And he tells how his life is different afterwards, after he has met Christ. So if you're a Christian here today, you have a testimony. I have a testimony. My testimony, briefly, is that I grew up not going to church. In fact, in high school, not even believing in God. And yet, because of a, a friend of mine who was going to church, and I started going to church with, with her, I started learning more about what it meant to be a Christian. And eventually, I gave my life to Christ and I started out on my new life, a new direction in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't, even after I became a Christian, I didn't know I'd end up being a pastor or a speaker like this, as you can probably tell. I'm not that eloquent uh, for God to call me because of my eloquence. But my life has changed, and your life has changed too if you, if you are a Christian. You're no longer living the same way. You have no longer have the same desires to be fulfilled by the things of the world, but you want to please God. You want to do what he has said. So that's one example of how you can uh, tell others about Christ is by sharing your personal testimony. And then the other way is just tell the gospel story, that, that story of Jesus coming and dying for our sin. Okay, example number two of how you can go and tell. Invite one family member in your neighborhood to your home. Choose one of your family members to tell his or her story of coming to Christ. Very similar, but uh, maybe difficult to do during COVID, but sometimes neighbors are really close. They're, they're, they're actually coming together more than what they used to to help each other to get groceries and things like that. So if you have the opportunity, invite one family member in your neighborhood, one family in your neighborhood to your home and choose one of your family members to tell his or her story of coming to know Christ. Number three, invite one unchurched person to attend church with you. Peter invited Andrew, remember that story? Peter invited Andrew, Philip invited Nathaniel, and you can invite someone to come here to church. Maybe challenging, they may use COVID as an excuse, but I believe there are some people out there who's searching for answers, right? They've got to be. They've got to be searching for answers of what's going on in the world, 
And what does the Bible have to say about it? Does it shed any light on it? And the Bible, the Bible is just as relevant today as it was two, 3,000 years ago. Okay, number three. This is the hard one. If we're really going to be intentional about sharing our faith, we must recognize and repent of excuses. Reminds me of our Sunday school. We talked about this there too, didn't we? About doing God's will and coming up with excuses for not doing it. But all, all, all the author is doing here, all Jesus is asking us to do is in our relationship with him to grow up and show some maturity and not give out excuses for why we cannot share the faith. And here are some of those excuses which we need to recognize and repent. First of all, I'd say the first one is spiritual lethargy. Spiritual lethargy. Anyone know what lethargy even means? <laughs> Lethargic, yeah. When I was, when I was uh, at First Baptist Church in Mount Carmel, I was a youth pastor for a while, and one of our uh, members of our youth group had just got his license, and on his license plate, he spelled out the words lethargic. That was his license plate, and he was lethargic. <laughs> and, uh, but when I think of lethargic, I think of the sloth, right? The sloth. Maybe you've watched Zootopia. Anyone watch Zootopia? No. Remember the sloth at the DMV? Very slow. Yeah, very slow at everything. Never gets in too big of a hurry. And uh, doesn't get too excited. And sometimes we can be that spiritually, right? A sense of apathy. And to be honest, in, in the United States today, most churches are filled with apathetic people. And apathy, I think, happens when we are at a failure to actually obey what Jesus tells us to do. The excitement in the Christian life often comes from Jesus or God telling us something to do. We have to step out on faith to do that. And he sees us through that situation. And that's when the excitement comes. God can do this. God can do everything. And so we need to be obedient just to the simple things that God has asked us to do. And when we do that, that sense of apathy or lethargy, I think, will go away. You know, I'm just like you guys. I have to fight against apathy. Anyone else here? I have to fight against apathy. It's not something that is going to go away on its own. I have to fight against it. And I think you will have to fight against it, too. So don't use this as an excuse, spiritual lethargy. This one's a little bit diff more difficult to understand. Growing inclusiveness. But what do I mean by growing inclusiveness? This is the belief that a lot of Christians have that my neighbor, he's doing okay because he's religious. He says he's religious. He's a pretty good person, so he's, he's okay. He's going to make it to heaven. And this can include all different kinds of religions. It's a growing belief, even among Christians, that a person really doesn't have to believe in Jesus or follow the teachings of Jesus as long as they are following whatever their religion says is true. So they can be Hindu or they can be Jehovah Witness or they can be, you know, a whole lot of other things. As long as they are true to their faith, they're going to be okay. And this is not right according to the Bible. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why we pay so much attention to getting the word about Jesus out to the rest of the community so that they can hear, so they can make their decision. But don't fall for the excuse that, well, I don't have to share my faith because everyone really has their own religion, and as long as they are true to that, they will be okay. They will not be okay. They will perish. Another growing belief in Christianity is a disbelief in hell. A growing number of Christians who do not believe in hell. They do not preach it. If they are preachers, they don't preach about it. Or they uh, say it's symbol for something that is much less severe. But the Bible is very pl plain about this. Jesus, in fact, is one person who speaks more about hell than any other person. It is a real thing. We are headed there without Christ, and so are our neighbors and our family and friend. We have a sin problem, and our sin, like this, like this book, keeps us from a relationship with God. And something has to be done with that sin. Well, Jesus dying on the cross takes that sin away so that we can believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Busyness. We mentioned this in Sunday school. Everyone is so busy. The unchurched need to hear us tell them about Christ, and this needs to be at the top of our list, right? We all have a priority list somewhere, and we have prioritized people and different things in our life. And right now, for most people, sharing the gospel is way down on the list. You know, if someone might happen to mention Jesus or going to church, then we might feel like it's okay to go ahead and share that I go to church. But it needs to be really moved up to the top of our priority list. In order to be intentional, we must every day be looking for opportunities to share Christ. If he's important, he, this message should be at the top, right? It should be at the top. We want other people to know. Another excuse is that we're, we're, we're afraid of being rejected. And this comes about for a lot of us and is true for many of us. But some survey was taken, and it says that 75% of unchurched persons are open to discussions about their faith. 75%. Three-quarters of the people we come across, if we wanted and stop and talk about their faith, they would do that. And so we should have no fear of rejecting. If they do reject the gospel, they're not re really rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus. And so don't let fear of rejection stop you from sharing Christ. There is a great desire for us to be tolerant. Make no mistake about it. Christianity is an intolerant religion. There's only one way, Jesus. That's, that's what we believe. We're not intolerant of other people's beliefs. We don't condemn them for their beliefs we just merely try to show them the truth about Jesus only he could provide the sacrifice for our sins we might just lose the habit of witnessing maybe at one time you were witnessing on a regular basis but you've quit witnessing witnessing is a dis discipline it can be brought back you can regain that and so I encourage you to do that Lack of accountability. We don't witness because there's a lack of accountability. When you have someone holding you to account, it can increase your zeal for witnessing. 
Failure to invite. When was the last time you invited an unchurched person to church? Have you offered to take someone to church or meet them? It's such a simple gesture that can have a significant outcome. Inviting someone to church, hearing the gospel. We, we hear the gospel here every week, right? <laughs> In some form or another. If you bring a visitor, they're going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The tenth and last one. The church that you attend is not intent on reaching the lost. That could be an excuse. You could use your church as an excuse. It's said that it takes 85 church members to reach an unsaved person. That's a terrible ratio, right? <laughs> Hopefully it would be one-to-one -one ratio. We have one person leading one person to Christ. I believe that our church is a church that wants to reach the lost. Amen? Amen? And so, uh, yeah, let's, let's be that church. We must be intentional, right? Or we're going to lose a harvest. And I want to close by telling you a story that maybe you wouldn't have thought about in this context, but it's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. We hear this story over and over and over again, and we learn about how Jesus went out of his way uh, he went through Samaria when normally he wouldn't go Samaria, through Samaria to see this woman. But he did. He was on his way to Galilee. He had to go to Samaria. He comes to Jacob's well, and he sends his disciples in to get food into the city of Sychar. That's really important. He sent his disciples in to get food of what I'm going to be talking about a little bit later. But he sent them in to get food, and then he meets this woman from Samaria at the well and I won't go through the whole exchange with them but Jesus reveals himself to her and tells her that he is the Messiah and she begins to believe that he is the Messiah and she leaves then and goes into the city to tell everyone about Jesus right <laughs> come and see this man I think he's the Messiah his disciples return with the food and here herein begins this little exchange that's I think so important. His disciples in return with the food and they urge Jesus to eat. And what does he say? He says, I have food that you don't know of. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Why do, I'm, I'm wondering, why did he say that? Why is he turning the tables on them? But he is kind of turning the tables on them. In, in, some, in some ways, he's scolding them for not doing what the woman has done, right? Let me, let me read you this scripture, starting in verse 38, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, that he says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What, what does he mean, mean, I sent you to reap? I had to ask myself that question. Why is he talking about reaping now? Well, the reason he's talking about reaping is I believe he sent them into the city to get more than food. He wanted them on their own to go in there, be intentional about telling the people, hey, we've got the Messiah out here. You need to come out and hear what he says. But they didn't do that. He said, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. They didn't labor for it. Others have labored, you have entered into their labor. 
But look at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The disciples had the opportunity to go in not only get food, but to do the will of the Father and to share Christ and to reap a harvest. They didn't reap it, but the woman did. The woman reaped a harvest. And so the question remains, you know, will we be intentional about sharing our faith and not miss a harvest? Jesus has said, the fields are white for harvest. We should go forth and reap that harvest. So will you be intentional? I believe you will. <laughs> I have talked to many of you and talked to you on Wednesday nights and I believe you will be intentional. Will you be accountable? I suggest that you get some accountability partners and say, this is the person that I am praying for this year. Will you help hold me accountable? Being intentional always kind of means you have a plan in the back of your head, right? So maybe you've already identified a person that you wanna reach now begin formulating, how can I best share the gospel with them? Is it best to do it over a period of time? Is it best to do it all at once? But be intentional, be accountable. And will you mature as a disciple maker and no longer make excuses? Folks, he is sending us just as surely as he sent the disciples in to get food. He is sending us into the community to tell people about Christ. My prayer is that we'll be faithful to be obedient to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had here today to look at your word and maybe see something that we've never seen before. That the disciples had an opportunity, but because they were not intentional, because they were thinking only of the food that would fill their bellies, they missed an opportunity to share Christ with a whole city full of people. Father, help us not to be that way. Help us to be intentional about our faith. Help us to love people so greatly that the first thing and the first way we want to help them is to share Christ with them so that they might believe and trust in him and have forgiveness of their sins. Father, help and do this within us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.